Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, and we have a crossover episode for you today as Matt Moscona from the Locked On LSU podcast joins us to preview this top 10 matchup between the Gators and the Tigers. In the first segment, we look at LSU's high-powered offense, Going against Florida's defense in the second segment, we break down Florida's offense going against the LSUD. And in the third segment, we give some keys to the game and our picks for Saturday. Here was my conversation with Matt this week. All right, maiden voyage for yours truly on one of these crossover episodes, Locked on LSU and Locked on Gators. Zach Abelverde is with us here uh, on the episode. I'm Zach, I guess technically I'm on your podcast too. So what's up, dude? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. hope you're uh, doing well, Baton Rouge. And- Man, we finally made it to uh, this game. I think it's been circled on the calendar for everybody this year. Is is this so here in Baton Rouge? I mean, all week, like starting with the the post game from Utah State last week. It's it like not. I'm not even being facetious. Like literally, it began then. Like this, you know, LSU. It's interesting, Zach, because LSU doesn't really have a, a traditional rival. Like you know, Florida's got Florida State, and even Miami to a degree, and Georgia. You know, LSU doesn't have that. So it's always basically like LSU's rivals kind of fluctuate based on how a series evolves. And right now, like as much as LSU fans need to get through Bama, the most animosity is in this ballgame. I don't know how it is over there if it's similar. It's, 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 it's interesting that you bring that up, Matt, because I feel like if you ask old-time Gators and, and alumni, uh, they certainly might not put this rivalry up there with you know the four states and Georgia's. Uh, and maybe even some of the media might have some different opinions, but I will tell you what, for the players on each of these teams that have been on the team for maybe the last two, three, four years, I think this is the biggest rival. I think this is the game that means the most to them, that they get the most fired up for. And as Nick Buchanan, Florida Center, pointed out this week, has been the most competitive. I mean, to to have a, a true rivalry, you know, you, you got to be going back and forth uh, in, in terms of each game to each year. And you look at Florida's matchups with Tennessee; uh, you know, they've been blowing them out. Yeah. Florida State had FS, Florida State had Florida's number, and then last year the Gators blow them out. And then Georgia has had Florida's number, and been blowing them out. But every year between Florida and LSU, uh, really since back to 2015, uh, in 14, even hell in the yeah. swamp, that 14 game was close. Yep. They're always coming down to the wire and. Then when you add on all the you know external factors like the hurricane and, and the game being changed and the back and forth and the pregame fight, there's just been so many things that have happened in the last few years that I think have intensified it much more so than at least some of yeah. Florida's other rivals. Yeah, with like with the rare exception of 2011 when you know Muschamp, but Florida used like three different quarterbacks. Florida was down a bit. That L, that LSU team was great and they they blew Florida out. With the exception of that, in the post. Spurrier era of this rivalry, it's been the most competitive rivalry LSU has. For sure. Uh, so. For sure. And I, and, and I think the same can be said about Florida. Um, and, man, that, that 2016 game, again, I, I can't stress enough. I, I was fortunate. That was my first time in Tiger Stadium going to Baton Rouge <laughs> to cover that game. So uh, there was just so much buildup. The Florida players talked about it this week. And I think for the, the players that took part in that game and 
then got to have the game in the Swamp last season, another one in 2017. I mean, they just keep coming down to the wire, and that gets these guys amped up to play. So let's – I think you know, here all week the conversation has, has really revolved around Joe Burrow, this LSU offense, which has just been going at an insane clip against the Florida defense and really the Florida pass rush has kind of been the story. Is, like, is that where, where your perspective is on this ball game as well? Yeah, I, I, I really want to see uh, something's got to give, right? Yeah. Um, you just have an elite offense going against an elite defense. And um, the way that LSU has made some changes on that side of the ball really seems to have benefited Burrow. And, and now that he's got a year under his belt, he's, he's kind of gotten his feet wet in the SEC. He just seems to be going at a different gear. Um, and Florida, for as much as they've accomplished – on defense, I mean, they've had two shutouts in the swamp. Only gave up a field goal against Tennessee. Auburn's all of Auburn's points came off of turnovers. Um, they haven't faced a juggernaut like the Tigers. Um, so, but then there's some things about LSU that, that give me question marks, specifically with Burrow. And that's not to say he's not a great passer. I just question the competition um, because I think for four of the teams that he's played against are sub. 100 in pass defense uh, nationally mm-hmm. and so he hasn't really been tested against a secondary like he's going to see with the gators and that includes texas texas is 126 in that group so it's going to be a, a, a step up in competition uh but but this isn't the same offense that he was going against uh going into it with last year when he came to the swamp it's a totally different scheme and and Florida's going to have to find some different ways to defend him. So the, I, I do chuckle, Zach, at the, the notion of, well, LSU hasn't played anybody. And, and I get it, but at the same time, when has LSU offensively ever blown people out <laughs> like this? You know what I mean? It's like, and it's one thing if they were having success, but the clip at which they're going, like, they're, like the, I, I don't think this really has sunk in with people. The LSU football Tigers are the number one scoring offense in America. Like, let that marinate for a second. LSU, like the team that's wasted more offensive talent over the last 15 years than any program in the country. On top of that, not only, you know, are they, they blowing teams out, but then you can look at like historical context. This LSU offense has scored more points through the first five games than any team in the history of the Southeastern Conference. More than any of these Bama teams, more than Spurrier's. Gators, more, more, pick the greatest SEC teams ever. None has ever scored this many points through the first five games of a schedule. Like, con, like who you play matters, but there's been a lot of teams that have played crappy opponents sure, in the first absolutely. five weeks and haven't had this level of success. Look, I mean, Zach, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, man. I am the guy that has been super critical, super cynical. I've said I'll never pick LSU to beat Bama again until they do it. Like, just watching this offense trudge around, watching you know, for for fifteen years or whatever, watching this team, they're they're just they're different. Like this, it is going. They are a wrecking ball that is going to be tough for anybody to stop. And the reality is, I don't think people have seen them. Like everybody watched them against Texas, and you you tell sure. me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing like you weren't locked into LSU Georgia Southern or LSU Vandy at eleven a.m. Or, or even Utah or, State. Or I mean, Utah was... Any of them, right? I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. Like, why would anybody be locked into those games? But if you if you actually are watching every play that this offense has run, you get it, man. Like, the the 
the degree of difficulty and efficiency with which Joe Burrow is operating this offense right now is different, man. Like I, I think Florida is going to have to score in the 30s to win this game on Saturday. Uh, let me yeah. let me let me ask you point blank: Do you think this Florida defense can keep LSU out of the 30s? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. How? Um, first of all, they got they got their two best defensive players back. I mean, they've been going through most of the season without C.J. Henderson yeah. and Jabari Zuniga. Um, you look at what they did against Auburn. Now, granted, Auburn is nowhere even close, even close to what the Tigers uh, can accomplish offensively, the LSU Tigers. Um, but you look in that game uh, and the way that Florida was able to basically shut them down and the, the game plan that Todd Grantham had, because going into the matchup, Everybody looked at the numbers and said Bo Nix is terrible against the pressure. When he if he gets pressured, the, his completion percentage is awful, twenty something percent. So I think everybody figured that going into that matchup, Grantham was going to throw all these blitz packages at this freshman quarterback uh, and rattle him. Sure. And when you, if you watch the game, you might have felt like that's what was happening because he was running for his life for most of the day. But then we found out this week that of the sixty plus plays that they ran. Grantham only rushed more than four defenders two times. So they were able to get <laughs> yeah. all that pressure um, and just basically play zone coverage, which is not you know, usually what he does. Um, so the one thing that I think that you have to like about this scheme so far, I mean, Grantham, first of all, for where he's at in his career, he just turned down the job with the Cincinnati Bengals to stay at Florida. The years that he's put in as a coordinator – <laughs> some of the criticisms that he's got from when he was Georgia's DC. I think he's figured out and fixed a lot of the flaws within his scheme. What's different this year is that he's got the players now to basically call whatever he wants. And that is, is what's I think intriguing to see. Cause I don't even feel like he's really dug deep into his playbook yet mm. to show what he can do schematically. And you look at Florida's secondary, I mentioned CJ Henderson. They have some other good corners. But what's, what's helped them on the back end is they've shored up their safety position. That was the one weak spot that they had defensively going into the years. Who was going to really emerge as their, as their true starting safety? And Brad Stewart has always been the guy that looked like the most talented, but he's been suspended or out of the lineup. And now he's back along with Sean Davis, who got SEC Player Defensive, or SEC Defensive Player of the Week last week, and he's got three picks this year. And he's kind of their new guy in the secondary that has emerged. So that's shored them up on the back end. And then in the front seven, a lot of people thought that they were going to have a drop-off with Ja'Kai Polite leaving for right. the NFL. And what we've come to find out is that maybe he wasn't as good as advertised. He's not even with the team now. And Jonathan Grenard has come in and might be the best defensive end that Florida's had in the last decade. And, I mean, that right there is just scary. But when you think about what Florida's doing on the front seven and that they're getting a ton of pressure without having the blitz. Um and I think back to that game last year in the Swamp, and you know, Burrow wasn't the quarterback that he is now. He wasn't the offense that he's in now. But I just felt like they really were able to get to him. Um, and I think that they're going to have an opportunity to do it in this game too. Yeah. By, by far, Joe Burrow's worst game last year was at Florida. And yeah, I, I may feel very differently about this if the game was in the Swamp because that's been obviously just a, that's a tough place for anybody to play. It's been a tough place for LSU to play over the years. Um, Bur Burrow has made tremendous strides. The offense obviously matters well. I'll tell you this much, Zach. Two things. The Todd Grantham has given LSU fits each of the last three years at three different places. I, I don't know how much of a of a talking point this is there, but LSU went against oh, Grantham yeah. with, with Louisville in the bowl game in twenty sixteen. 
in 2017 at Mississippi State, held LSU to seven points. Seven points. And then last year, obviously, in, in Gainesville. So Grantham has had a lot of success against LSU. That's something that is very, very much people are aware of here. And I'll tell you the other thing, where LSU is weakest on this team, like where they are weakest is on the offensive line. They were bad there a year ago. They returned everybody from that unit, but just because you return everybody from a bad unit doesn't mean you're better. So that's Florida's elite defensive pa- defensive line and pass rush against LSU's weakest unit. That's a gi- like that is absolutely the thing that would give any LSU fan pause in this game. If LSU keeps Joe Burrow upright, I just don't see how there there's just not enough no defense has enough guys to cover all of the options LSU has and and they're going to get there. I'm not saying like they'll score 50 like they would against Vanderbilt, but they'll get theirs. Um but if if Florida's able to get home against Burrow and put him on his back, that's like that's where this game changes. The other thing yeah. too is LSU's inability to hold on to the football. Uh they have fumbled two mesh points on zone reads each of the last two weeks. Um the freshman running back John Emery fumbled near midfield against Utah State like I know that was a major point of contention for Ed Ogeron this week, but that is absolutely something worth watching as well. LSU has, has been has had a propensity of putting the ball on the ground, and Florida's been awesome at, at forcing turnovers. For sure, and I think you make up great points, and that was one of my keys to the game for Florida. They have to get Joe Burrow. Uh, they have to affect him. I mean, if you want to get a few sacks in this game, but even if you're getting some QB pressures, if you're rushing him on his throws, you got to affect the rhythm that he's been able to develop in the passing game. I mean, that. That's number one, and, and Florida's been up there. I think they're third in the country in sacks. That first game against Miami, right. ten sacks. Um, so you have that. They lead the country in turnovers and interceptions as well. So that's that, that's something that they have going for them in this game. The one I think area of concern that they could have potentially is tackling has been spotty. It was a much bigger issue earlier in the year. Um, but LSU is the type of team and they're the type of athletes that if you're not uh, sure tackling, they'll make you pay. Uh, and the other thing is, in I'm just uh, I'm interested to see what Grantham does from a coverage standpoint and the adjustments that he makes to what LSU does in the passing game. Because last week they ran a lot of zone coverage, and uh, I, you know I understand that was the scheme, that was a game plan that they had, but I just feel like there's no way that they're going to be able to do that a lot against LSU. I mean, those receivers, if you you have to press them at the line. Um, and, and make it difficult for Joe Burrow to not just have those easy windows to throw to. Um, so I want—I just want to see what Grantham's plan is, how much he's blitzing Burrow, and then what they're doing on the back end to compensate for that because he puts a lot of pressure on his defensive backs, uh, gives them a lot of responsibility because he feels like they are elite players and can handle it. But this is a quarterback and this is a passing game that can make you pay if you don't have all your ducks in a row. That's crossover edition of Locked on LSU and Locked on Gators. He's Zach. I'm Matt. We'll grab a quick break. Come back. Hey, we'll flip the field. We'll talk about that Florida offense under Kyle Trask coming in and challenging the LSU defense when we return. All right, let's pick it up here. Uh, Locked on LSU, Locked on Gators crossover edition. Don't we have to mention Vivid Seats? I think we should do that. So uh, we're brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Uh, Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code kickoff use the promo code kickoff and save up to a hundred dollars at checkout vivid seats app uh zach how uh, let's start with kyle trask and how healthy he is coming off the knee injury last week yeah that that's to me matt that, that that's got to be one of the biggest concerns that they have uh mullen felt like i asked him after the game against auburn if, if there was going to be any concerns with him going into the week and 
he felt like for the doctors to be able to clear him and send him back out there, that that wouldn't carry over into the preparation for LSU. But then we get to Monday, uh, and the coaches made the decision to limit him in practice. He's supposed to be good to go. Um, and and uh, But, look, I mean, he just sprained his knee. I mean, yeah. there, there's no way around it. His mobility is going to be limited. A lot of, of what they do with the zone reads and in the run game is predicated on him being a threat and being willing – uh, to keep the ball and run it. And he even did it in that second half uh, on that QB power. I mean, he ran it right up in the hole against Auburn's strong defensive line. Right. It wasn't a very successful play. Um, that was crazy, though, big... right? It's like a dude with a bum yeah. knee and a brace. And like, But I guess it goes to show you the, the confidence they had in him. At least that's what it well, said to well, me. It, well, then even that, and then they throw the, the throwback pass to him right. with the tight end. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and Dan Mullen was like, look, we wouldn't have thrown it to him if we didn't think he was going to be wide open. He was supposed to just catch it and fall down. Um, and Auburn did a good job recovering on the play, and they got a hit on Thras. But um, no doubt, I mean, his his health is going to be key. And, but more than anything, he's got to protect the ball. I mean, that is, without a doubt, the, the one bugaboo that he's had since taking over as a starting quarterback – and in this game, for Florida to have a chance, for Florida to be able to keep up with LSU offensively and keep this close, they cannot turn over the ball at all. I mean, what they've done against Tennessee and Auburn will not work against the Tigers. I mean, every time he's gotten hit well in the pocket, he's fumbled. Mm. And you just a trip. I mean, get mad all you want if you're a Florida fan, but this is a guy who's been a backup for six years and he hasn't been hit in practice. And now when he really gets out there and is getting hit, uh, he's not used to that ball security and what it takes to go down without fumbling. So it's been another point of emphasis for the coaches this week. And if LSU can get some pressure with Florida's shaky offensive line, that's going to be something to watch out for. Now, if he does get time or if he's getting out those quick passes like he did against the Tigers, he's got the ability to make the throws. I mean, he reads the defense really well. His pre-snap uh, decisions are, are on point. And, uh, but this is going to be a test unlike he's ever seen in terms of dealing with Death Valley. So the the crowd will be lit. I, I don't think there's any question. And like that's something that guys have to adjust to. And look, you go have success, you're quiet the crowd, and then it just becomes another game. I, I think that's that's a very real part of any of these environments. But the, the thing about LSU, which is, this is a big question a month into the season for, for defensively. Because you look at LSU's defensive statistics and they don't look like what you're accustomed to seeing from a Dave Aranda defense. And there's been times where LSU's just frankly not been really good on defense this year. What, what I think we've learned through a month is LSU's defensive starters, like their first 11, are all really good. Like Caleb on Chasson is an elite edge rusher who's got a chance to be a first-round pick. I think a lot of people know about Rashard Lawrence, who is preseason All-SEC. Jacob Phillips is a former five-star inside backer who's a hundred-tackle guy. You, everybody knows about Fulton and Delpit, and you got this. Sure. You know, this you know, Stingley comes in as a five-star, and he's doing awesome already. Here's the problem: LSU got pretty beat up against Texas. They lost four starters in their defensive front seven in that game. But what happened is, like, they looked ahead, Zach, and they're like, "Okay, well, you've got Northwestern State, Vanderbilt, an open date, and Utah State. It's 35 days from." the Texas game to the Florida game. Mm-hmm. And they kind of collectively decided, okay, just take a month off. They basically told all these guys, just Rashard Lawrence, Glenn Logan, Caleb on Chasson, Michael Divinity, four starters in their defensive front seven. They said, go take a month off. And so a lot of these guys haven't played in a month. And 
what we learned, though, is the guys that had to step up behind them over this month really struggled. So if this will be as healthy as LSU's been since the start of the season, it is fair to say what kind of game shape are those guys in? Like sure. if Florida starts – because my, my guess is what Florida wants to do offensively is kind of what they did a year ago, which is grind out drives, keep Joe Burrow on ice, and just come and try to like – shorten the game and, and run the ball and be more physical than LSU. It's what they did in 2016 as well in that second half. And it, it's fair to ask that about LSU's defensive front. And the other thing to watch, man, if anybody on that defense goes down, cramps, injury, whatever, if anybody goes out, there's a significant drop-off in, in mm-hmm. depth at LSU right now. And I, I don't know if that's recruiting misses or guys leaving early for the draft or or whatever the case may be. It's the reality of where they are, and they've learned this over the past month. Is that it? There, there isn't great depth on this defense. So if any, the front eleven are good. Will they wear down? Is a question. And if anybody does get injured and go out, that's a pretty significant drop off. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned Florida needing to run the ball. I mean, that's that's a huge key to this game. Anytime you're you're going up against the Tigers in a matchup like this, but one thing that allowed them to have success last season as twelfth was that offensive line yep. that they had. Uh, you know, four upperclassmen uh, starting as seniors that are now moved on, and three of them are playing in the NFL. Florida has been missing those guys this year, and, and their run game has struggled as a result. Uh, I mean, just some really bad outings where they haven't been productive. And, and just, I, I think even with their starting five, they're trying to figure out who are the best group to put on the field. Um, and now, against the Tigers, though, they, they did find some success. They I think they found some, some formations that, that work for them, and and LaMichael P. Ryan, I mean, I give him credit. Uh, he comes back for his senior season. And he's now the guy. Jordan Scarlett has moved on. And he's, I think, expecting to come in and have a big senior campaign and just hasn't been that for him uh, until the Auburn game. I mean, he went to that matchup as at one point in the year, a few four or five games in, didn't even have 200 yards rushing yet. Um, that's how bad the production had been. And then he breaks off the long run against Auburn. Now, mm-hmm. uh, is that a fluke play? Or is that a sign of, of things to come that maybe they've, they've figured out some things and they're able to wear on defenses and defensive lines throughout the game and in that fourth quarter take over? Because they, it wasn't just that run. I mean, he had some other runs that he made in the game uh, that, that were a lot more productive than the other carries that he's got earlier in the year. So you don't have potentially Damian Pierce in this game. He left mm-hmm. with a concussion. So he might not play on Saturday. That's your second-best running back. Uh, so if he's not in the rotation, that could affect things. But really, to me, you know, it's going to come down to this passing game. Florida is a pass-first team. Uh, they are averaging the most yards per game as a passing offense uh, than they've had since 2001 when Rex Grossman was throwing passes for the Gators. Mm. That's how long it's been. Wow. So, um, that's where their bread and butter is. This is the best wide receiver corp that, that we've seen at Florida since the 09 group. Um, so it's, it's been about a decade since they were that good, this good at receiver, and Trash, for the most part, from a passing standpoint, he's been able to, to, to do the job well. I mean, he's really accurate. Uh, he's comfortable in Dan Mullen's system. It's, it's you know, dealing with the pressures and not turning over the ball and also getting some help in the run game. And that, that's something that he hasn't got, but we could see some more of Emory Jones, the backup quarterback. You know, Mullen is kind of using a two-quarterback system, a lot like that 06 year, uh, although Emory – he does a lot more from a passing stand, or can do a lot more from a passing standpoint than Tebow could as a true freshman because he's been a year in the system. Uh, we've seen little pockets of his usage, 
I think in this game, especially to try and get the run game going because he's a dual threat guy, mm-hmm. you're going to see some more of number five. Um, and honestly, I think Florida's going to have to get some production from him to win this game. Zach and Matt, crossover episode of Locked On Gators and Locked On LSU. We're previewing the biggest one in college football. We'll give you some keys and maybe even a pick when we wrap up next. All right, Zach, let's wrap this up with a couple of keys for the game with uh, LSU and uh, Florida. And we'll, may, If you want to give a pick, I guess we can do that at the end. You want to start with, with keys for, for the Gators? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mentioned on my podcast uh, you know, this week that you know, I thought obviously winning the turnover battle was going to be huge for Florida. I think getting Joe Burrow pressured, whether it's sacks, whether it's quarterback hurries, um, those are some things that, that they're going to have to do with this game. And also dealing with sudden change. Um, you know, there is going to be a lot of plays, I think, on Saturday where momentum swings in one team's favor or the other, or there's a turnover or a drive that stalls, uh, or even an injury that happens. And that's the one thing that Florida's done a good job of when their starting quarterback got hurt twice this year. Um, their team has responded. You know, they scored 19 points in the fourth quarter against Kentucky to come back. Uh, Emory Jones led them on a scoring drive after Trask went down, and they're still able to get that game. How do they handle adversity, though, you know, on the road, uh, in Death Valley, with, with, with a lot of things going against them? I mean, we've shown, they've shown that they can do it at home. They've shown that, he can, that they can even do it at a neutral site against Miami. Uh, but Tiger Stadium is, is a lot tougher deal. Yeah, it's it's going to be, and and I can tell you, being around town this week, it's it it's as anticipated a home game as LSU has had probably. I mean, the, the Alabama games always seem to stand alone, but outside of Alabama games, it's the most anticipated home game LSU's had pr- probably in a decade. I mean, it's 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 significant this one that that people are are, are that excited about. I, I'll tell you, I got two things. Number one, I, I think defensively. Really offensively, LSU just has to make Florida earn it offensively. Like if the thing you can't do is is give Florida a short field and gift them points. Like I mentioned against Vanderbilt, LSU allowed two defensive scores last week against Utah State. They threw a, 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 a pass that went off of the tight end's hands and allowed Utah State a ball inside the ten yard line. They did the same thing against against Texas, a turnover in their own red zone. If you give Florida points then this becomes far more competitive. I'm not sure that Kyle Trask can continue can consistently put together 8, 10, 12 play drives driving the length of the field, at least enough to keep up with LSU's offense. That's one. I'll tell you the other one. It's We mentioned earlier Joe Burrow and pressure. I think that's the key to the game. It, but I really think that, Zach, it's it's not f- for Florida. I don't think it's just pressure Burrow. you got to get him on the ground because Florida, there was an amazing status up. Florida this year has generated pressure on 58% of its opponent's pass attempts, which is an insane number. I mean, more than more than half the time an opponent throws a pass, Florida gets pressure. Mm-hmm. The flip side of it is Joe Burrow this year has a passer rating of 151 against pressure. He's completing 70% of his passes, and he's yet to throw an interception when pressured. So you can pressure he's him. Not, so, so he's not Bo Nix is what you're he's, saying. <laughs> bingo, bingo. He, he's not freshman in a hostile environment. Look, I – Zach, I picked Florida straight up in that game last week because I just didn't think a freshman was going on the road and winning in that environment against that defense. This is a very different quarterback in a very different environment, which is why I do think LSU, which is probably, which is why LSU has the edge in the game. I, I think the spread has probably thrown a lot of people off seeing it near two touchdowns. I, do you do you want to give a pick on has, the game? Has, has, hasn't it gone back? I think it's like eight now, though, right? It's not double digits anymore. I think the last latest line I saw had it down a little bit. I, um, man, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at 13 and a half. Wow. 
So that's it, surprising. It, I, I'll tell you what. I'm definitely going to take the points. Um, okay. I, I, uh, and Matt, I, I went I, I went back and forth on this pick all week going into the year um, and, and throughout the early part of the season. It, this pick was definitely LSU for me. Um, Florida changed my mind with their win over Auburn. Um, just the fact that they showed that they could handle that defensive line. I went into that matchup thinking, how the hell is Florida going to deal with Auburn's defensive line? And they did it. Um, and then I look at what they did defensively, and I'm kidding you not. It should have been a shutout on Saturday. No, I watched um, it, yeah. You know, and and I just I, I think Joe Pearl's going to get his. Uh, I think that it's going to be a closely contested game, but I think Florida – gets a field goal win, but they, they cannot turn over the ball. If they, if, if they have a, a performance like they did against Tennessee and Auburn where they get those first-half turnovers, LSU has a chance to maybe get a two-touchdown win. Um, and that, I think it's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. So I guess we're both just going like, to gonna, gonna make our, our fan bases happy, happy and pander to them because I think LSU wins and covers. I think they went 34-20. to 20. I just don't, tr- I don't trust Kyle Trask to be able to put together consistent offensive drives to be able to keep pace and – I do think Florida will get stops against LSU, but not nearly enough, man. This See, the way, and, but, and I and, and I agree with you, man. I I don't think I don't think Florida scores. I think Florida scores scores twenty to win the game. It's going to be on their defense to totally shut LSU down. I mean, because I don't think that Trask can go out there and put up those consecutive drives. They're going to Mullen's going to have to dial up. I think some some trick plays or get some big yardage uh, from Yak. Uh, and, and who knows? I mean, are we going to see a fake punt or something like this on Saturday? I mean, is it going to get weird? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That was that was certainly less Miles' thing. I don't know if that's going to be if we're going to see that this weekend. But uh, I would I would never rule anything out in a game like this. But um, wait, so are you you think a game in the teens then? I'm, I'm I pick four to twenty seventeen. Twenty to seventeen. Well, if that that would be to me the most stunning thing is if Florida holds LSU to seventeen. I could see Florida winning. Uh, 34, 31, 31, 28 type game. I, it's just so hard for me to imagine LSU scoring in the teens in this ballgame. But if they do it, man, then I, if, if Florida holds LSU to the teen, in the teens, Florida, I think it Which is. I think Todd Grantham is gone after this season. Well, I, <laughs> maybe. But if Florida holds LSU in the teens, I don't know who beats them. Like, I legit don't know who beats Florida if they're able to hold this offense in the teens because, like, this is as good of an offense as, as any is going right now in college football. So. Uh, all right, so we're, we'll see how it all shakes out Saturday night, man. It's going to be an awful lot of fun in Tiger Stadium. Uh, Gators, Tigers, always fun. Uh, locked on Gators, locked on LSU crossover episode. This has been fun, Zach. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. I love doing it. Appreciate Matt for joining me on today's show. Always good to get some perspective from the other side. And we'll see how our picks and predictions play out on Saturday. When we come back on Monday, I'll recap my five keys to the game and grade the Gators' performance over LSU. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators. Your team every day.